This is the Analyzing Anfield podcast on the Blood Red channel, bringing you the best tactical and statistical analysis of Liverpool FC. Hello everybody and welcome to a very special edition of Analyzing Anfield. We are spoiling you this week. Not only have we previewed the Southampton game, which is coming up on Saturday, but we're going to take a little look at the transfer window now. Obviously, this is a podcast and a video about Liverpool Football Club. And if you're going to do something about what's been happening during the January transfer window there wouldn't really be much to talk about. So what we've decided to do is have a look at all of the deals that have happened across Europe as of now. So this is being recorded, full disclosure, at around about 6.25 on uh, on deadline day. Um, not much has happened, to be honest. But, you know, over the past 31 days, things have been been going on, not necessarily at Anfield, but, you know, around not just the Premier League, but it's Italy, Spain, Germany, and France. So we're going to take a look at 10 deals that, that sort of caught our eye and, you know, sort of you look at the, the, the fees that they went for or the reasons that they left and you, and you do wonder whether, you know, Liverpool could have actually maybe signed one of these players. Um, so basically it's, it's, it's in, in shorthand, it's, it's, it's a look at the best 10 deals that we think analytically um, were the, the, the strongest of the, of the transfer window. With me is uh, our two analysing Anfield regulars now. I am the, I'm sort of the, the, I don't know, the guests, aren't I? But I, but I am in the host. The OG, the, I refer to the, the, OG. the OG. I don't want to know what that actually stands for. Um, I think the, the O is for old. Um, but yeah, I'm with uh, Josh Williams and David Hughes, who've uh, both been working diligently throughout the day, um, trying to write about transfers that are not happening. Uh, so we'll crack on. And David, do you want to kick us off, I suppose, with, uh, with, with the first guy that you've sort of highlighted? Yeah, uh, what I will say is me and Josh had a bit of a laugh about this yesterday because we're still not convinced on his pronunciation. Well, pron- pronunciation, I should say. It's Daniel. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, is it is it Podent or Pedenza? I think Pedenza. Yeah. sounds far more Portuguese. Yeah. Uh, Daniel Pedenza signed for Wolves this week from Olympiacos. Um, deal of around 19 million, I believe. Um but yeah, he looks a he looks a good player. Um, he's very attack minded. Um, he, I've spoke about him already this week, and what I said is he's for me he's very much of a Wolves player. Um, he's good at progressing the ball. It was three point four progressive runs per ninety uh, this season. He tempts just just short of eight dribbles per game as well. Um, so he's quite an exciting player. He's he hasn't got a lot in terms of output. Um, which is is worth noting. Five goals, two assists. It's not all that really when you no. think that he's playing a substandard league. You'd, you'd hope for more substandard. So um, yeah, I think he'll be a good player for Wolves, but I don't know whether he's got the uh, caliber that Liverpool require. Only twenty four, Josh, and I think one of the big things that I think there's a strand that goes through a lot of these players, and they are all these sorts of wide players or from free players who are not of the standard of Salah, Mane and Fabinho because obviously we could sit here and say Jadon Sancho mm. we could sit here and say you know Kai Havertz and Kylian Mbappé but you know we've got to be realistic and we've got to sort of look at players who've actually left a lot of these on this list are very much players who can you know play as backups for Salah, Mane and Firmino. Yeah and that's that's the difficulty 
of of running Liverpool's recruitment, I suppose, because that's hence why we did virtually no business in the summer. Because we've reached a standard now that only certain players can reach. Um, and if they're not currently at that level, they have to demonstrate the potential to reach that level eventually. And I think Pedense, good player, good signing. I totally agree with Dave in terms of fitting with Wolves, you know, Portuguese player and, and all that sort of stuff. And uh, I think he's, his agent is, is George Mendes. I was going to say, is he a Mendes client? Yeah, uh, it does make a, a degree of sense. Um, but again, just in relation to Liverpool, is he at that current level? Probably not. Has he got that ceiling? To a Wolves level, yes. To a Liverpool level, probably not. Another Mendes client, another player who sort of fits that ilk is uh, Stephen Bergewijn. I think I've said that properly. Um, he moved from PSV Eindhoven to Tottenham. Uh, Josh, he, he, he's someone who was actually linked with Liverpool. I think it was no more than Van Nat. Um, but I think he's uh, he's an interesting player. He, he's someone who, who, who reminds me of maybe Depay when, when he sort of came over mm. to um, to the Eredivisie. Uh, you know, is he is he a is he going to be able to sign for Tottenham and B is he someone that Liverpool maybe should have had on their radar? I think he's the type of player who's been on the cusp of of everyone's awareness. I think for a while, hasn't he? He's been drifting around that that level of is he ready to make the step up now? Is he ready to make the step up now? I think he's now twenty two years old. PSV had a difficult season. I think they're currently fifth in the Edvisi, which is you know a notable drop off for them. Obviously, they're a bigger club than that. Um, he's a type of player that tends to score, creates as well. So he's got that two-way sort of thing about him. Um, quick off the mark, good close control, and that sort of thing. Dribbler, uh, good upper body strength. Um, in relation to Liverpool, I wouldn't have been disappointed or shocked or anything like that if Liverpool will link with him, put it that way. So I think he has got a good level, good a good ceiling about him. I, I expect him to do well at Spurs. I think the fee's £27 million. Obviously, they've recruited, recouped 17 of that with Ericsson. So they've basically got him for £10 million. Um, and I think, you know, considering all those aspects, I think he's a relatively low-risk transfer. I highly doubt that Spurs will have to take a hit on that player down the line. Um I think he'll improve, and they're the types of deals Liverpool do tend to do. Liverpool tend to do deals that are relatively safe in terms of a lot would have to go wrong for the player to fail or for Liverpool to take a financial hit. So, you know, good good deal. I'm intrigued to see how he does in the, in the Premier League. Obviously, obviously, there's that translating over from Holland to England. A lot of players tend to struggle with that, but I don't know, I'd expect him to do quite well. But again, in relation to Liverpool, it's a really high ceiling that you've got to reach in. I think it remains to be seen with him, but I'd expect him to reach certainly a higher level than uh, than Pedense. We've uh, we've also sort of mentioned Bruno Fernandes. Um, now Manchester United have actually signed him. Um, you know, I know there's been a lot of talk about what Manchester United are doing at the moment. As things stand, I think they're going for Idiana Gallo, is it, up front, mm-hmm. um, on loan. Mm-hmm. I think they're about two hours away from bringing Dwight York out of retirement, <laughs> um, such as their desire to just get any striker in. Uh, that's really reminiscent of when Liverpool ended up with, with Ricky Lambert for me in, in 2014. Maybe, maybe they'll give him a call. Mm-hmm. Um, but Bruno Fernandes, one thing that comes into my mind is, is Philip Coutinho. Mm-hmm. Uh, he loves his shots from outside the box. There was a bit of a, a, a rumbling in the summer, um, you know, that Liverpool were, were interested. Klopp shut that down very quickly. I think it took a, a life of its own on Twitter where people were sort of doing sign Fernandes. I, personally, I think he'll be a, a decent signer for, for United, but he's, he's never fitting in at Liverpool, is he really? 
Um, are you going to go with this one, Dave? Whichever, to, yeah. I think whoever wants to slag him off, it's fine. <laughs> for me, I think, you know, before we touch on him directly, I think it, the problem for United is it's a pressured sign. And now, like, United have invested a lot into it and they need him to be successful, which always, I don't care what anyone says, that always adds that extra baggage onto the performances. He's obviously, he, he was, for me, if you look at all the metrics, he was probably the best player in the Portuguese Premier League. Um, you know, he he seems to excel in virtually every department. That poses a few questions, you know, do did sport and just basically um, always look to give him the ball, build a side around him, you know, United, are they going to be able to do that? We don't know yet. Um, is he'll, he'll give them creativity. That, that That's fair to say. But will he be able to translate at the same level from the Portuguese Premier League to the English Premier League? I don't know. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how quickly can, he can adapt and if he can ever actually hit that the level required to be successful at someone like United. Yeah, I am, I am a C by this deal, I must be honest. Um, I totally understand the Coutinho reference. But having said that, Coutinho is a player that is very, very easy on the eye to watch, really technical player. Um, Fernandez has got that same output about him in terms of shooting a great deal, seeing a lot of the ball at the same time, which is generally a bit of an odd mix. But his game's a lot rougher. Um, the, the best way I can describe how he plays, it, it's kind of like a, if you picture a hybrid, and this is obviously, I'm, pitching, I'm painting a high level here, but if you picture a hybrid of Coutinho and Salah in terms of how they play. Salah's obviously rough on the eye, isn't he? Takes a lot of chances when he probably shouldn't. Loads of risks on the ball. And Fernandez is like that. He just does loads. Dribbles loads. Gets fouled loads. Fouls other people loads. It literally everything. Um, and whether you deem that as good or not, you know, it remains to be seen. But he's the type of player that comes across for me as a proper output player. Makes a difference a lot. Um, will mess up a lot of things as well. He'll probably frustrate you. Um, but I'm, I'm really intrigued to see how he does. I think for me, he looks like the type of player that needs his game refining a lot. Um, that may be difficult to do considering he's now 25. Um, and again, ta- going back to the whole risk thing for Liverpool, you know, associating the, the transfer fee with the degree of risk attached to the player as to whether he'll be a success or not. 65 million. It's a lot of money. Um, he'd have to do a lot for his value to increase. Um, and for me, there's a bit of risk associated with that deal, considering, OK, he does an awful lot, but there's a possibility that he might, his, his ability might not translate in, in the English division and, and that sort of thing. So I'm interested to see how it goes, but, yeah, it's a difficult one, that one. So they're the, they're the three Premier League-based ones uh, that, that 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 was picked out. Um, interestingly, Bergwijn will, will will play against City this weekend, probably. Um, Fernandez will get an opportunity to play against City as well. Liverpool, meanwhile, have have, have played Wolves, Tottenham, and Man United for the season now. So there's no danger of those uh, hating Liverpool and, and making us look very foolish or or, or uh, vindicating us by, by scoring a, a wonderful goal. Um, moving on to some of, uh, across Europe. Now, a lot of them are actually to do with the Bundesliga. There's been a fair bit of interest um, around the Bundesliga and, and what's happening. Um, we won't go into too much detail with some of these, I suppose, but Christoph Piatek, um, Milan to Hertha, David, I know you're... 
a, a fan of him. You looked at him in, in depth in the summer. 22.8 million. Obviously, he was somebody that, that Man United were, were supposedly trying to get. Mm. Um, this, this feels like he, he had a fantastic year at Genoa. Yeah. Gone to Milan, didn't really work. And now he's going to big spending here to Berlin. Yeah, it was a strange one. So he was at Genoa where he, he basically exploded. Um and he only lasted six months there because then Milan come in in January and he continued just um, like a fantastic scoring record. Um, I think across all competitions, he scored close to 30 goals. Um, in the league alone, he got 22. And that was off the next year for 17. So, you know, he was he was doing well, accurate. This year, he, um, he's got four goals and three of them have been penalties. So he's become a little bit of a, you know... A, like a laughing stock almost, and he's he's been getting a lot of stick. But I've looked into it a little bit more, and he's been playing for a very uncreative AC Milan side. You know the the they're a mess, aren't they? Yeah, really, yeah. You know they they don't create a lot of chances. They don't create a lot of high quality chances at all. I think he suffered from that. You know, there's only one one player in the whole squad who's um, scored more than he has, and that's with Italia five. So it's. He's played for difficult sides, so I've been rooting for him to get a move. And you know, I think there's a, a few Premier League clubs that could have come in for them. In terms of Liverpool, it, so for me, he's not somebody who could play in the system that Liverpool line up in week week to week. But I don't know, could could he be a Plan B option? I, I don't. He, he might have been. Now the Liverpool have been so good that they haven't been reliant on Plan Bs this season because Plan A's just been perfect. But you know. Further down the line, if they if they did need or circumstances changed, I think he could have been an okay buy because I don't think he would have come into Liverpool and expected to play. You know, we talk about like Timo Werner and stuff. He's a fantastic talent, but there, there might be reluctance to come to Anfield because he he might not be a starter. I think someone like Piatek could come and play on the bench and just be a, a, a plan B and be happy with it really lazy comparison I'm just having him as a Lewandowski sort of you know <laughs> yeah. uh, came from the Polish league and, and tore it up just want to throw in one that I, that I put in um, Lucas Tussar again gone to here to Berlin I, I don't know where they've got the money from mm -hmm. I think this is relevant for two reasons from a, from a Liverpool point of view number one they've spent £20.3 million on the, on this, this lad from Lyon uh, and he also signed and his name escapes me at the moment but they've also signed another midfielder you wonder what that means for Marco Gruwich Mm. Um, because yeah. it feels like the, the, you know there's two players who play in Grewich's position, mm. so it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Um, but you know, just looking looking at him in general, he probably he's a he's a defensive midfielder generally, but he can play a little bit box to box. Looking at his heat map, um, ten recoveries per ninety minutes. He, he seems to he's got very similar. He's a bit of an amalgamation between in terms of numbers, Wan Alderman and, and uh, Henderson. Um, only six passes into the final third per ninety which is pretty low. You know, it's about three or four fewer than Fabinho, for example, mm. or Henderson. Um, so, he, you know, he's not really a penetrative midfielder. He'd probably have to to add to that. But, you know, he's still only young. I think he's 22, 23. Um, and I just, I just thought he's interesting because I do think Liverpool, at some point, are going to have to start refreshing their midfield. Mm. Um you know, is he of the level of Liverpool? We don't we don't really know. Um, but you know, it will be interesting to see how he develops it here, sir. The thing is you don't need to be at the level of Liverpool when you're twenty two, do you? Mm. It's kind of as you said, Liverpool in a they're in a perfect position now where they can bed players in over um 
a certain amount of time as opposed to buying them and expecting results or needing results from them there and then. Um, so, yeah, I think it's a good point that you make. Uh, Danny Olmo, Josh, how much do you know about Danny Olmo? Because this one interested me as well. Yeah, no, in the summer, Leicester were after an attacking midfielder by all accounts and I looked into a few players for them and one of the lads that I suggested was Danny Olmo. Um, I must say that whenever Leipzig, whenever Leipzig seemed to do a deal, I always seem to look at it and, and think that's it's exactly good, why I put them down. Business. Yeah, uh, they're just a well-run club. But Danny Olmo, obviously Spanish, he left um, Barcelona a number of years ago as part of a deal to send Halilovic, Alan Halilovic, who was deemed as the next big thing. He was a Croatian guy, yeah. wasn't he? Yeah, he was sent the other way. So Danny Olmo went to Zagreb, and he's just recently been. You know, in the past maybe eighteen months, two years or so, just showing himself to be basically better than the league. He's um, quite slight in terms of being, you know, slim and stuff, but he's still quite tall, very agile on the ball, dribbler, good carrier of the ball. Um, and if you picture a Leipzig style of play, a maybe a Liverpool style of play from about two years ago, he's that type of player, very forward-thinking, vertical type of player who will just very much suit what they're trying to do on the pitch and I don't know maybe Liverpool 18 months ago would have been interested in this player but I think we'll we may be keeping tabs on how he does because he, he, usually a player that fits Leipzig and any Red Bull club probably fits Liverpool exactly. as well so yep. That's why I put him down. I feel like that's a really interesting one to keep he, an eye on. He was one that we did on Analyze Nanfield a couple of weeks ago Um me and Josh did three data signs each, mm. purely on dates, and he was someone that I flagged up as like he's as Josh just basically said there last eighteen months he's been really, really standing out. So yeah, it was a, it wasn't a surprise he got a move to be honest. Analyzing Anfield on the Blood Red Channel. I've put a Jakob Brun Larsen down. Um, and he's not really very well known. He hasn't really... He, he scored against Liverpool, actually, in two pre-seasons on the run. Um, mm. Last, well, summer 2018 now, and... Um, Back in in 2019 as well, uh, when they when they played Dortmund in I can't even remember what city I was in Notre Dame, um, in Notre Dame University. So he's a left footer. He plays on the left wing. He, he came through with a big reputation. Mm. He moved to Hoffenheim for 7.6 million, um, and I just 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 found a couple of you know really interesting things. His xG per ninety is no point. It, it's a, it's it's a smaller sample size. I think last season this is he only played around 1,200 minutes mm. off the top of my head. Um, but, you know, an XG of 0.36, four recoveries per 90, which feels like, you know, decent for a, for a wide player. Two shots on target, four dribbles. Away from the data, it's just, you know, and it's only pre-season, but he was a, he was a handful mm. against Liverpool the two times. And and he was really touted um, as, as somebody who could really, really be an option for Dortmund going forward. I think what's happened there is that Sancho's exploded. I think they've got a few more uh, wide players who, who obviously are, are there as well. Um, but he's, you know, he's still only 21, 22. Mm. And, you know, I think, again, Hoffenheim are an interesting club in terms of recruitment and it wouldn't surprise me to see him move on for a, for a much bigger fee in 18, 24 months' time. And, you know, talking about Liverpool and that need to have somebody who will happily sort of be on the bench. You know, he sort of, he, he would fit the bill. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. It's, uh, I think, I, I do wonder, because Dortmund do look like they've been trying to move on a few attackers, and I wonder if this is all a domino effect of, as you said, Sancho and obviously Haaland's gone there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but yeah, I had a quick gander at them and I mean even even this basic record of over I mean we we have access, don't we, to just over eight thousand minutes of him and he scored in that time, albeit in various competitions mm-hmm. at youth and friendlies and so on, but he scored forty two goals and assisted thirty two. Like that's a that's a really, really good record. Just um so he could be a dark horse, I'll be honest. And he's gone to you know, you, you were talking about Red Bull earlier, like Leipzig. I, I think Hoffenheim are a very similar club in the way that they've got a, a really good philosophy. They've got a fantastic manager there, and um, I think it'll be a really good environment for him to for him to keep playing his trade. And maybe three or four years time, he could be one of the one of the top names in Europe. Yeah, just on what you've just said there on the whole, um, you know, being impacted by the whole the presence presence of Sancho and the presence of Haaland and things like that. That ties in with what I was just saying about Liverpool before in terms of you need to play with a certain ceiling um, or a certain immediate standard and the better you get, the higher that demand will become. So I think maybe a couple of years ago, Brun Larson would have got a shot, a better shot at Dortmund, maybe a shot at Liverpool and that sort of thing. But the better you get, the higher that bar raises. And I think he's, he's got to a point where he's had to maybe step down to, to a Hoffenheim type club. Um, be interesting to see how he does and things like that. But the fact that Dortmund, who are generally, you know, a, a club that hoovers up potential talent, the fact that Dortmund have sold him for seven million doesn't bode well for him for me. But mm. you know, it remains to be seen how he'll, how he'll do. Uh, we we you know touched upon Haaland there. He is on the list. Um, should you know should Liverpool have been in for him? Yeah. It- the thing is with Liverpool, I think they're just a lot wiser with recruitments. And I, what did what was the fee in the end? Uh, it was nineteen point two million. I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of things that went on with that deal behind the scenes, and maybe Liverpool just didn't want to get their hands dirty mm-hmm. with it. They didn't need to, and Liverpool are in a position, and you'd like to think they'll stay in this position over the next few years, where he could continue to be fairly raw at Dortmund and fine-tune and then Liverpool could take a, a much more polished version mm. of him in a few years' time. They, they had all the, the, the knowledge of, of him because yeah. obviously they signed Minamino um, yeah. in, the, in, in the January transfer window, so it's not like he's many, an unknown. Yeah, there was too many, I think, around him. Mm. He was too well-known almost. Yeah. Do you know what? I, saw, I actually saw a graphic on Twitter a couple of weeks ago and it, it just perfectly epitomised Liverpool for me and how they've done business in the past couple of years. It was like... Um, it was Haaland up on a podium or something like that, like a cartoon it was. And the likes of Juventus and Real Madrid and United were all looking up at Haaland, taking photographs of him and things like that. And Liverpool are sneaking out the back door with Minamino. Yeah. And I think that's how Liverpool do business, really. It's kind of like thinking outside the box mm. sort of thing. And I'm led to believe that he has a release clause in his contract with, with Dortmund. That obviously stems from Mino Raiola and the fact that he wants to know the deal out of him. Um, and I think ultimately he's... He's too good of a talent to not play immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, and if he comes to Liverpool, that maybe doesn't happen. Yeah. Uh, so it's not always a case of a player being ridiculously good, so you sign him. It's just got to make sense at the end of the day for mm-hmm. your club, for your team, how his squad is at the minute. And probably the wrong time for Liverpool to be insisted in that player. But I'd expect him to do good things, but uh, I think Liverpool are right to, to avoid him. So they played Liverpool played against Haaland in the Champions League. They also played against Sanderberg, uh, who's moved to Sheffield United for twenty two million. I can't believe this transfer. <laughs> I really like if you would have you would have said to me twelve months ago, I mean to be fair, I didn't know who Sanderberg was twelve months ago, but if you would have said Sheffield United were signing a player of of, of this sort of reputation, I, I would have you know, I wouldn't have believed you at all. It, 
David. It's it's. I mean, it's probably the end of Johnny Lundstrom to be fair, which is you know good scouse <laughs> yeah, lad. But well, he had a good FPL run. Didn't he, he? he did exactly. Yeah. Um, but this 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 guy is a really interesting prospect. Yeah, he's uh, yeah he's 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 a, he seems to be a fantastic midfielder. You know, he's um, he's great on the ball. Um, He's, he's very good. He shows up very well in terms of progressive passive passes, but also progressive carries as well. Um, he's he's difficult to bypass as well, so he's he's also helpful in the defensive phases of the game. Um, I think, to be honest, you were just saying about Sheffield United. I think this is a testament to the work they've done this season because, from I'm led to believe that he. Um, he had the option to go there in the summer. They were interested, and he turned it down because he didn't think it was somewhere he wanted to be. But he's been that impressed with them this season that he's obviously took the option to go and join them. And I can understand why. I think it's a it's a good club to join. And I personally think a ceiling's a little bit higher. But as we've just been talking about Haaland there, he can spend two two years at Sheffield United. They can make a huge profit on him, uh, and he can go and then play at a, a high level. So, yeah, really, a really good piece of business, and he'll be a good one to watch in the Premier League. I think he could have potentially similar to Tuchard in terms of you could just learn your craft, can't you, in that Liverpool midfield? Mm. A little bit like Grouch, to be fair. We're, you know, we're also talking about Tuchard and uh, Tuchard and and, and, and Berge. You know, Grouch is probably in a similar bracket, but yeah, it's just that you know he just hasn't had the opportunity because he's being a hater. But you know, is, is Berge a player that could have done it at Liverpool? Well, there was a there was a bit of flirting going on. Yeah, there, there definitely was. Months ago, but Klopp uh, gave him the hug, didn't he, in Belgium? Yeah, yeah, and he, he did a few quotes as well. I saw coming out <laughs> where he said, like, you know, I'd be interested in all that. Stuff. I thought was were lining up at that point. Yeah. I'll be honest, I thought Klopp. Yeah, was I mean, it, it, it wouldn't surprise me because he's he is a Liverpool type. I think in a lot of ways, I think he's got the Gruyich physicality and he's got the Gruyich technical ability. But he's also got the off the ball work as well, which Gruyich maybe lacks a little bit. Last mm. time I checked, at least. Um, he's just a player that, as Dave just said, he he progresses the ball really well. Quite a rare type in terms of I think he's like six foot three, but as you say, very very technical on the ball. Um, and I think he'll do really well at Sheffield United because they're obviously a very well drilled team in your face, very tight, uh, aggressive on the ball uh, without the ball. Sorry, but then when they do get on the ball, it's quite neat stuff. The ball's on the floor; it goes forward really quickly, and he epitomises that style of play. So. I wouldn't surprise it wouldn't surprise me to be honest if he does really well there, establishes himself, and you know becomes a top midfielder in the league. It wouldn't surprise me if Liverpool do look at him in a number of years. But having said that, if that does happen, his value will obviously increase drastically to the extent that maybe Liverpool will deem him as too expensive. But he is a, a Liverpool type, I'd say, just because of his. His physicality, his physical capacity, and how good he is on the ball and without the ball as well. So finally, a player I think probably none of us have actually seen. Um, but the reason I put him in is because he's young. He's a full-back. Mm. Um, he was linked with Liverpool, um, and he's gone to Norwich, which is an interesting club um, because obviously, you know, by all accounts, Liverpool are, are looking at Norwich in general, and, and and you know, similar to how they look at Salzburg and, and Leipzig. So it's Sam McCallum. Um, Young fullback, uh, I think he's a left back um, from Coventry City to Norwich for three point five million. Now there's not much we can say about his numbers. It's League One, we don't know about that. But it's just because I I'm really interested here about how he will probably come on Liverpool's radar if he if he is a success in the in the next couple of years. 
Yeah, the Norwich seem to recruit really well, you know, um, and they've also already got some good wing backs at the club, um, and he looks of that elk. Really, he looks like he'd go on to maybe he could be replacement for if, if one of them go because yeah. we we probably expect he, he might do in the summer, especially if they get relegated. Lewis Adams, yeah. Godfrey, yeah. but it's a good business model, isn't it, for a club like Norwich where they bring these players in. Um, Obviously, the value increases playing for the club. They'll sell them on for a profit and just almost like a conveyor belt. Yeah, it's production line, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Uh, And he looks like he could be this type of player. Two goals, no assists, but I did notice his expected assists were just over two, so he's probably being a little bit unlucky in that regard. Um, Yeah, really good age, small investment as well. So, um, once again, I think we're in a position from a Liverpool point of view where Liverpool... Or that can kind of let other clubs rear these players and then they can come in at a later date yeah. and, and collect them. Coventry as well got a really good academy, haven't they? Um, the, the, you know, Callum Wilson, James Madison. You know, yeah. there's, there's, there's some good players who've, who've come mm, out definitely. of there, so so that's really interesting. Yeah, no, he's a, he's an interesting player. He, um, he was actually flagged to me a couple of a couple of weeks ago, a couple of months ago, I think it was, by, um, by a fella who helps clubs with recruitments in the lower leagues. Mm. He flagged him as a as a potential player in terms of, you know, being that heir to Andy Robertson's throne, if you like. Um, so I looked into him at the time, you know, a few clips and things like that, just to get a gauge on what he's like on the ball. And he is, you know, quite alternative to the average fullback in terms of, you know, he's not he's not limited in possession, doesn't really play safe and things like that. He, he, he will try things, quite adventurous on the ball, um, uses it well. Spreads the play and things like that. Technically good, quick, athletic. So all, you know, all in boxes tick really. I think it is credit to Norwich the way you know Stuart Webber and the way he runs his football operations. Just obviously anticipating the move of Jamal Lewis and he's getting that next player to just take his place before he gets sold and it keeps going like that. So he obviously knows his business model really well. But it is interesting to see what Liverpool are doing regarding fullbacks. I think. We're obviously well aware that we've got two really established players, and I think we're just given absolute time for for the academy to produce someone who's next in line, or if not, get the um, the next star if you like, absolutely bang on, and you know m- wait a long time for that player to become available, sort of thing. I did think Sam Carroll, Sam Carroll. Don't tell him that. I'm gonna send him this link. Do not tell him that. He'll be living off this for the rest of the year. (laughs) (laughs) He wouldn't get a game. (laughs) (laughs) I did think that Sam McCallum would be the type to be on Liverpool's radar, to be honest. Mm. Um, But you know, I'd like to see how he does. To be honest, but we'll see. It's fine. Sam Carroll doesn't watch Blood Red videos because uh, he is a, a bitter, bitter blue nose, <laughs> unlike the man to my right. Um, <laughs> no, thank you very much for joining us, guys. I um, hope you really enjoyed this video. Something a little bit different, something a little bit extra from Analyzing Anfield. Uh, make sure you download all of the Blood Red podcasts, however you consume those podcasts. And if you are watching this on YouTube, give it a like and a subscribe. And let us know in the comments as well who you think Liverpool should have signed in January. And don't just say Kylian Mbappe because it's really, really boring. So thanks very much. Uh, We're off to see who Man United signed. We really hope it's Teddy Sheringham. Uh, And uh, enjoy the rest of your deadline day. Thanks very much. You've been listening to the Analyzing Anfield podcast on the Blood Red channel.